This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. Hello, you sexy sat stackers, and welcome to the latest episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast. I am Chris, and today is Wednesday, July 5th, 2023. And of course, that means it is DCA Wednesday. Are you ready to get your stack on? I hope so, because Bitcoin's on sale. Well, not really on sale. Uh, It's actually going to be probably the most expensive we've purchased Bitcoin in over a year. But if you're one of those people that follows the price charts relentlessly, Bitcoin has dropped about $1,000 in price since uh, just yesterday. So... uh, To that extent, Bitcoin is on sale. It doesn't matter because either way, we're going to get our stack on like we do every Wednesday since we're taking advantage of dollar cost averaging. Before we get into all that, though, a quick look at the vital statistics. At the time of this recording, we are at a block height of 797,302. And Bitcoin is ringing in at a U.S. dollar value of $30,265. And that is actually cheaper than it was when we did our weekend update episode but of course we didn't stack on the weekend update episode so our previous two stacks our dca wednesday stacks were a little less expensive they were both at thirty thousand, and well one was thirty thousand one hundred and twenty five dollars and the other was thirty thousand one hundred and seventy so i guess bitcoin's basically right about the same or or a little bit more valuable than it was uh just the last two weeks in a row so Once again, the value of dollar cost averaging means that you get that zoom out perspective because when we zoom out on a weekly basis, a weekly dollar cost averaging perspective, Bitcoin has been nowhere near as volatile as everybody doing their nail biting, wondering why Bitcoin crashed last night. That block height of 797,302 puts us just 42,698 blocks away from the next Bitcoin halving. Bitcoin halving, as you know, the uh, miner reward that miners are, are given for uh, discovering the latest block of Bitcoin is reduced by half every 210,000 blocks. And the next halving will occur at block 840,000 which is still looking like it's going to be on April 21st of 2024. But regardless of how fast or slow those blocks come in, it's looking like it's going to be less than a year from now till the next Bitcoin halving. And that's really exciting. If you have not experienced a Bitcoin halving yet, buckle up, because not only is that the official kickoff to the next euphoric phase of the parabolic bull run that uh, seems to happen every four years, but it's also it's kind of like New Year's or Chinese New Year's or a, uh, you know, it's a celebratory, it's a celebration. Uh, you know, in the last couple of years, they've had the Bitcoin conference in Miami, and that's turned into just a gigantic gathering, 30,000 some odd plebs or whatever uh, a year ago. But, you know, and there've been, there've been Bitcoin conventions and Bitcoin gatherings for the entire history of Bitcoin. But prior to the mega conferences, the biggest event every four years or the biggest event in Bitcoin happened every four years around the halving. And there were 
parties all over the world. And it's looking like it's going to be that way again this year. Of course, the 2020 halving was a little muted because, you know, there were the lockdowns during 2020. So if this is your first cycle, uh, it's going to be pretty cool. Even if this isn't your first cycle, uh, it, you know, if, if it's your second cycle or going into your second cycle, 2020 didn't really count because we couldn't have all the parties. And I think the biggest having party was Bitcoin Magazine hosted a virtual having party, like 24-hour telethon online. Uh, but uh, it'll be interesting. And all of that's going to happen in less than a year. Bitcoin's current market capitalization is a little bit higher than it was last week at 587.8 billion. And for those of you who value your wealth in shiny metal rocks, it will currently cost you 15.9 ounces of gold to purchase just one Bitcoin. And despite the fact that gold is having a rally against the US dollar and the fact that Bitcoin's down a little bit, that's exactly the same as it was last week. So it'll still cost you almost an entire pound of gold to purchase just one Bitcoin. So if you still value your wealth in gold, uh, it is slowly but surely trending to zero against Bitcoin and you are running out of time to convert those yellow rocks into the world's truly hardest money. For those of you who value your wealth in pizza, one Bitcoin will currently purchase you 1,692 large pepperonis, large pepperoni pizzas from Papa John's. That's one large pizza a day for more than four and a half years. That is a heck of a lot of food security for just one Bitcoin. And of course, you could actually spend Bitcoin to purchase a pizza, not necessarily directly to Papa John's. Uh, but, you know, there are services like Lightning Pizza, etc. that let you spend your Bitcoin on pizza. Should you desire to do so? And that is something you cannot do with a gold coin. The mempool is looking a little more crowded. Uh, there were only 33 blocks worth of transactions pending in the mempool last DCA Wednesday. Uh, that had ticked up to 55 blocks on our weekend update just the other day. And now it's up to 66 blocks worth of transactions pending in the mempool. That does not appear to be having a, a, an effect on the fee market, however, because currently the fee estimators are saying that if you want to guarantee that your, your Bitcoin transaction is included in the next block, it's only going to cost you a fee of 16 sats per V-byte, and that is down from last week. Um, and mempool.space is saying a high-priority Bitcoin transaction will only cost 14 sats per V-byte, and that works out to about 60 cents. So last week, uh, they were estimating it was going to cost 77 cents to do an on-chain transaction, and that's continuing to trend back down, uh, and that is good to see because if you want to do some transaction consolidation uh, or open or close some lightning channels, you want to do it when fees are cheaper and they're they're definitely trending cheaper. In fact, 60 cents to open a lightning channel is, uh, depending on how big of a channel you're opening is, is already fairly fairly cheap. And if you don't even have to do a priority transaction if you manage your channels properly. So uh, that's certainly good to see. The one metric you know I like to follow, Bitcoin's on-chain transaction rate is ticked back up. Last Wednesday, the 24-hour transaction average was 3.79 transactions per second. Of course, over the weekend, when transaction volume tends to dip anyway, it was down to as low as 3.4 transactions per second. At this moment, however, it is zipping along at 5.59 transactions per second. And that means two things. It means a lot of those transactions are probably those ordinals and inscriptions because 
Normally you can't fit more than four transactions per second on average uh, onto the blockchain, but with ordinals and inscriptions basically only taking up the header uh, and they're very small transactions, they've been able to pack more transactions into each block. Uh, and so we saw them spike all the way up to almost as high as eight transactions per second. Uh, and the fact that they were down below four, I thought was a good sign, but currently it's back up to 5.59 transactions per second. So that'll be an interesting situation to monitor to see if uh, the ordinals and descriptions are getting trendy again or what is contributing to that increased on-chain activity. And speaking of TikTok next block, we're approximately one week away from the next Bitcoin mining difficulty adjustment. Uh, we had a difficulty adjustment just before the previous DCA Wednesday episode. That was a pretty big increase of 3.3%. We're currently 1,034 blocks away from the next mining difficulty adjustment. And the estimates for what that's going to be are kind of all over the place. Uh, I get my data from two different sources. One of them is saying it's going to be a difficulty decrease. The other is going to is forecasting a significant increase. So the range that I'm looking at is anywhere from a decrease of 0.33% all the way to an increase of 3.4%. And that is because blocks are currently averaging 9 minutes and 42 seconds, which is significantly faster than the 10-minute average that Bitcoin aims for, and even 8 seconds faster than last Sunday than the than the uh, DCA, than the uh, Bitcoin Bulletin Weekend Update Edition, where they were coming in at nine minutes and 50 seconds. So it's still kind of too early to see. There are a lot of things that are affecting the hash rate right now, not the least of which is the hot weather in Texas. Uh, you know, the demand response agreements that a lot of the Bitcoin miners have with the grid provider in Texas say that they'll shut their miners off to help conserve energy uh, when there's a high electric demand. And you know, there's every reason to believe that's still going on, but as soon as that eases up to somewhat normal levels, then we would expect to see those miners come back on. And depending on when that happens, uh, that could have a dramatic effect on whether or not we have an increase or a decrease in the difficulty to mine the next block. Once again, I want to thank those of you who are listening on your favorite podcasting 2.0 app, such as the Fountain app. Uh, I know there are some of you who are doing so because I can see the stats. And we actually have a boost to read this week. Leggy boosted us 5,000 sats for our weekend update episode, simply saying, nice, surprise episode. So thank you, Leggy, for the boost. It's good to know that you're still out there listening, that you still appreciate the podcast, and that you're helping support us through Podcasting 2.0. Uh, speaking of which, I did a weekend uh, a, a special weekend episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin podcast on Sunday for, well, I did it for for two reasons. The biggest reason is because I find that when there's holiday weekends, a lot of my favorite podcasters go on vacation. And so they either do a, a canned episode, something that, you know, they might have recorded months ago, or they don't do an episode at all because they're on vacation. Kind of like a lot of your favorite, you know, regular mainstream newscasters aren't around during the holidays. And so uh, I wanted to have something recent and up to date for you to listen to, because I certainly uh, don't like listening to older podcasts or canned podcasts because so much changes so fast in the Bitcoin space that, you know, if you listen to a podcast that's recorded two or three months ago, it could just be flat out irrelevant. And in just a couple of days since we released that episode, we've basically had a huge increase in the number of listeners uh, to that episode, the number of downloads 
versus the previous two DCA Wednesday episodes. So I was either right in assuming that there was a hunger out there that that, uh, you know, a, a niche out there that needed to be filled because of the holiday weekend. Or maybe people just were surprised and listened to it because it was something new. Or maybe there's a demand for more podcasts on the weekend in general. Uh, but apparently you, you guys liked the episode. So reach out and let me know what you think. You know, you can DM me on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at BTC Bulletin Pod. Or send me an email at bitcoinbullet at protonmail.com. Of course, we're also on Noster. Let me know. Did you enjoy listening to the Weekend Update episode? Uh, why did you enjoy listening to it? If you did, uh, do you want to see more Weekend Update episodes or Weekend episodes in general? Or uh, is once a, once a week on Wednesday enough for you? I'm really interested in feedback. So reach out to me again. DM me. Hit me up on Twitter at btcbulletinpod or send me an email at bitcoinbulletin at protonmail.com. Because I really want to know, uh, I'm, I, uh, you know, I I would be more than willing to do regular weekend update episodes if that's the sort of thing you guys are interested in. Speaking of my podcast listeners, speaking of you guys out there, we've had a little bit of a change in our geographic distribution of listeners. Not a big change, as usual. Uh, the number one country with the most listeners at fifty. Well, that's an uptick, fifty three percent instead of the fifty two percent. Uh, that it had been. 53% of you were listening from the United States, so thank you to everybody here in the USA. Happy 4th of July to all of you. Uh, one day belated, but happy 4th of July nonetheless. Argentina is still number two, with 12% of our listeners listening from Argentina, so muchas gracias, amigos. Germany remains number three. It's still 7% of our listeners are listening in Germany, so dankeschön, mein friends in Deutschland. Number four is Luxembourg. Still 4% of you are listening from Luxembourg. So, Dankeschön uh, and Morian to those of you who speak Luxembourgish for listening to those, uh, for my friends listening in Luxembourg. Here's the change up. Sweden had been number five and it's bumped down a couple notches. And Canada has moved up from number six to number five. So, the percentage is still the same. Only 2% of you were listening from Canada, but uh, that is the fifth most popular location for our listeners. So, thank you. To our friends in the America in America's attic, as Greg Fox Greg Foss likes to refer to the Great White North, uh, as uh, because Sweden bumped down a few spaces, Spain has also bumped up one notch to number six. So two percent you were listening from Spain. Muchas gracias, amigos, in España. Number seven is Venezuela, where two percent you were listening from. So muchas gracias, amigos, in Venezuela. Number eight is Colombia. So muchas gracias, amigos, in Colombia, where 2% of you are listening from. And now Sweden rings in at number nine. Only 1% of you are listening from Sweden. So Sweden have a drop-off from 2% to 1%. That bumped them down from the fifth most popular location to the number nine position. And number 10, Singapore has finally moved up from number 11 to the 10th position. 10, 1% uh, of you are listening from Singapore. So thank you to those of you in Singapore. It's really cool to see you guys make the top 10. Um, and that, of course, knocked France out of the top 10. And France has knocked down several positions because lurking at 11 is Mexico, another Spanish-speaking country uh, trying to eke its way into the top 10. So thank you, everybody, regardless of where you're listening to. But particularly, uh, it's particularly cool to know that we have so many listeners in Central and South America. Uh, obviously, the majority of our listeners are in the United States, but I think we have a pretty good representation uh, between Europe, the United States, and 
well, as far away as Singapore. So once again, thank you to everybody for listening and supporting the podcast. So the news this week or the news right now is, as usual, mainly it's uh, the the biggest thing people are talking about the most is the price of Bitcoin. Uh, Right now, they're talking about the price of Bitcoin dropping. Of course, as I mentioned, if you zoom out and just look at it in terms of our DCA Wednesdays, Bitcoin is actually up in price. I've said numerous times that that 30K is kind of a magic number, $30,000 is a nice round number. And for some bizarre reason, people, human psychology wise, are attracted to these quote unquote magic numbers and they're sticky. So they make for a good resistance. It's hard to drop below the numbers, but it's also hard to go above the numbers. So Bitcoin's been clinging to that $30,000 range for a while now. Uh, and I don't make price predictions. I don't have a crystal ball, but uh, eventually when it does break out, we'll have to see what the next magic number is. But there's, you know, 31 isn't necessarily a magic number. 32 isn't necessarily a magic number. Uh, but whatever it ends up, I guess we'll figure out what the next magic number is when it gets there. Either way, 30K is starting to feel a whole lot like the new 9K. If you remember the last cycle, Bitcoin can't, Bitcoin kind of got stuck at 9,000. Uh, well, it, get, it got stuck between 8,000 and 9,000. So it passed 9,000 numerous times. And the Vegeta memes would come out every time Bitcoin was over 9,000. And this feels a lot like that. It's you know, And that makes sense because as they say, history doesn't necessarily repeat, but it rhymes. I wanted to talk about the stock market real quick because a lot of people, and I know this doesn't really have a lot to do with Bitcoin, other than the fact that from time to time, there's that correlation between Bitcoin and the stock market. Wow. I don't know if you heard that through the installation of the studio, but we just got buzzed by what I'm assuming is a C-130 heading into Patrick Space Force Space because it was a very loud multi-engine turboprop that sounded like a C-130. So if you heard that, go that airplane go over that was a low flying c-130 uh so all right that got me distracted a little bit people have been calling for the stock market to have this major correction because you know we're either in a recession and they're and they're fibbing because they changed the definition or there's a recession coming there have been layoffs uh, you know all these major tech companies have laid off thousands and thousands of people uh businesses are are you know they're they're not making their their forecast earnings they're you know the um earnings the earnings per share of, of stocks are still through the roof but that's because those earnings are lagging um but people keep predicting doom and gloom on the stock market and it just hasn't happened the stock market seems to keep going up uh who knows what it'll do this morning but um in general the stock market a lot like bitcoin has been going up and to the right recently and i kind of have a hypothesis about that I'm not a stock guy. I don't I, I don't I don't follow the market a whole lot, but it occurred to me that if we're having tremendous inflation, that shouldn't that be reflected in the price of stocks as well? Uh, you know, I don't necessarily know how that works. I'm not, not actually an economist and I I really don't care about stocks, but it seems plausible that if the price of everything is going up, that that would reflect in the value of stocks as well. For example, if we get Inflation, well, the price of eggs were at like $7.79 the other day. And, you know, it wouldn't be out of a, out of the realm of possibility to think that in the not too distant future, you know, a loaf of bread could end up costing $100. And so if we got to the point where a loaf of bread did cost $100, would it be reasonable to assume that Apple would still just be $193 a share, which is what it closed out on Friday? 
no, it would make sense that if everything around you is getting more expensive, that you know that would that would have that would reflect in stocks as well. And I think we've seen that historically. Of course, you remember the stories about Weimar Germany when they had the hyperinflation there. The stock market was going through the roof, and everybody thought they were financial geniuses, but it was just inflation. So that's just a little bit of a tangent that I that I wanted to go out on because with everybody predicting the stock market crash, they might simply be wrong just because of inflation. The actual value of those stocks may be going down because, you know, um, inflation is so high. But the price, uh, the ticker price, you know, the price, the price that you see uh, reported on the ticker, uh, could continue to go up while while still actually losing value. Here's kind of another tangent. It's not necessarily Bitcoin, but it has to show you that there's scammers everywhere. That this is not unique to the Bitcoin space. But this is a this is a case of not your keys, not your coins. Literally, a lot of people are reporting. But there's an article in Fortune, for example, that says with the headline quote: "Silver coins promise profits and an empty vault. How a silver dealer's slow theft of investors' precious American Eagle coins ended in a hundred and forty-six million dollar fine." Hundreds of depositors who handed millions to a silver dealer in exchange for precious minted coins were told their vaults were actually empty following an investigation by the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission. Does that sound familiar? Two firms run by precious metal dealer Robert Higgins have been ordered to pay out $112.7 million to the victims of an alleged complex fraud scheme and $33 million in a civil, pen- in a civil monetary penalty. Which is insane because if someone stole $112.7 million, uh, you'd think they'd be going to jail, right? But of course, you know, if you're in Wall Street or a banker, you don't go to jail. You just pay fines. And uh, and as we see with, with banks, for example, like J.P. Morgan, where that's just a line item in their budget every year when they figure what their expenses are. They have a certain amount that they need to pay for salaries, a certain amount they need to pay for rent and electricity, and a certain amount they budget for the fines they're going to pay for all the fraud they're committing. But I digress. The article continues, according to a statement from the CFTC, between, 2000 and, between 2014 and 2022, Higgins conducted a fraudulent silver leasing scheme via two companies, Argent Asset Group LLC and First State Depository Company LLC. The plot sold to customers as the Maximus program offered to pay owners of silver coins a lease fee in exchange for Argent's use of the commodity. Does this sound familiar? Give us your silver coins and we'll give you yield, basically. You know, sounds like Celsius a little bit, right? Some of those other yield yield scams that collapsed just a year ago. The payments were on a scale and would increase or decrease depending on how many of the coins the client was willing to offer. Also sounds familiar, doesn't it? The more you deposit, the more yield you're going to get. And of course, as they say, where's the yield coming from? Bitcoin has no yield. Silver has no yield. Uh, the yield was you, right? So not your keys, not your coins. And evidently that applies to, well, it applies to, uh, it applies to actual physical coins as well. Uh, you need to self-custody whatever your investments are. And I don't recommend you invest in precious metals. This is a Bitcoin podcast. Uh, but whatever you are investing in, I guess you really don't own it unless you have it in your custody, even uh, even when not talking about Bitcoin. So, you know, 
people talk about how risky Bitcoin is because of all the fraud and because of schemes precisely like this. And that's supposedly unique to Bitcoin. But I guess it isn't right. If it's happening in the silver market, then uh, I mean, it's not good for Bitcoin per se, but it's almost uplifting to find out that this shenanigans is happening in in all financial markets, not just it's not just unique to Bitcoin. Uh, it isn't uplifting when people are victims of fraud, uh, but uh, it just points out that it that Bitcoin isn't that the Bitcoin scam verse the scammers in Bitcoin the scammers in the altcoin universe are not are not unique scammers are going to scam snake oil salesmen and scammers have been around since the beginning of time and uh, get your coins off exchanges folks all right so over the weekend there was that breaking rumor that Gary Gensler uh, had resigned or was being forced out of the as chairman of the SEC we mentioned that there were very few uh, sources for that and that looked like it was shaky at best probably false and of course it in fact turns out those were false rumors uh the securities and exchange commission has come out and flat out said it is not true according to the international business times sec rejects rumors about gary gensler's resignation investigations investigation reveals story is ai generated you've probably heard uh people on twitter or on other podcasts talking about how uh the article that was circulated was generated by AI. Uh, it wasn't even written by a real person. Uh, and, and of course, it was false. It does not change the fact, however, that Gary Gensler is potentially under an ethics investigation and very well should be for his dealings with Binance and his dealings with Sam Bankman-Fried, but that's a different story. On a positive and uplifting note, there was an article in Forbes entitled How Bitcoin Helps Civilians Escape the War on Sudan. And basically, it's the same old story. It's, you know, it's talking about the, the decades of civil war or the, the years of civil war in Sudan and the hyperinflation where uh, their currency inflated to over 350 uh, percent and that people were trying to flee and escape Sudan uh, or, or trying to send money to help family members back home. Uh, it goes on to say, quote, it was it was almost impossible to send money back home, as Sudanese expat now living in Ireland uh, said. Uh, he went on to also talk about how he had family members that were trying to flee to Sudan and that they couldn't take anything with them. Quote, they couldn't take anything with them. No money, no gold, not even a mobile phone. Anything valuable would have been a serious threat to their life, he says. And, you know, we've heard this before. We've heard, you know, people tales of people escaping Afghanistan after the after the U.S. withdrawal and the Taliban takeover uh, and the crackdowns on freedoms in Afghanistan where you know all you needed to do is memorize 12 words and you can you can get out of you can get out of wherever you're trying to flee with with your generational wealth of your life savings intact whereas anything they tried to bring with them whether it was gold jewelry or money or even sometimes their clothing was stolen from them along the way uh, and so it's nice to know that there are uh, that Bitcoin is helping out in Sudan. Uh, this individual is also apparently helping support people in Sudan, organizing a group that's supposed to, uh, organizing organizing group that's using Bitcoin to help support the medical community in Sudan. Uh, so, in addition to being able to send money to Sudan or people being able to flee Sudan with their money uh, or at least their savings with them. Uh, he also goes to say the medical situation is extremely dire. There is no humanitarian aid. Doctors are unable to purchase supplies. Some are using plastic bottles as chest drains. Uh, with Bitcoin, people can bypass Sudan's broken financial system and transfer support directly to where it's needed. 
I guess the moral of the story is a lot of people in the United States and in Europe, when they think about uh, Bitcoin, they think, well, I don't need Bitcoin. I've got Cash App, I have PayPal, I have a Visa card that gives me airline miles. You know, why would I need Bitcoin? And in their myopic view, they don't think of Bitcoin's most valuable use, which is not just for the unbanked, but in places where uh, where people are fleeing conflict or, or or starvation, you know, refugee crisis, refugee crises, hyperinflation, collapsing governments where they don't have a stable currency. Even if they do have a stable currency, it gets stolen from them. Uh, you know, they can't they can't even get medical care. Uh, so it really puts it really puts the importance of Bitcoin into context when you when you read articles like this. And it's uplifting to see that Bitcoin is doing what Bitcoin is supposed to do. When they say Bitcoin is going to change the world, and it already is, you know, bit by bit in some of these places, like, for example, in Sudan. A long time ago, I had an instructor uh, tell a story, and it was a, it was a story, basically, about a man who's walking along the beach, and the tide had swept in thousands and thousands of starfish. And he's walking along the beach, and he picks up a starfish and flips it back into the ocean picks up another starfish and flips it back into the ocean, picks up a third one, flips it back into the ocean. And this other gentleman on the beach looks at him and goes, there's a million starfish on the beach. You know, what you're doing is going to make any difference. It's not going to matter at all in the grand scheme of things. And the man throws another starfish into the ocean and says, well, it mattered to him. Uh, and that's kind of what that reminded me of. But speaking of sea life, and this has absolutely nothing to do with Bitcoin or nothing to do with financial news at all, but I saw this headline and I almost started laughing out loud. Uh, Fox News had a headline yesterday uh, that simply says, Shark Snaps Attacks Teen Surfing Off Popular Beach. Like the shark had a mental breakdown or just flipped out. Uh, maybe he was mad about the election being stolen, but the shark snaps. How about like a shark just attacked a surfer, you know? If you were from the West Coast of the United States, it's almost taken as gospel that sharks only attack people because they mistake them as sea lions. You know, they see your silhouette. They think you're a sea lion. They eat sea lions. They don't really want to hurt you. They just want to eat sea lions. But then if you come somewhere like Florida where there are no sea lions and it's the shark attack, the shark attack capital of the, of the United States, they don't. nobody buys that BS. It's like they don't think the shark mistook you for a sea lion. The shark bit you because the shark is hungry and you were there. So this headline takes it to one more step of derangement with the shark apparently was just having a really bad day and it was taking out his aggression on this poor teen surfing off a popular beach. Uh, so, all right. And speaking of, uh, well, this is more of a social media than media. If you were following on Twitter, you probably saw Glenn Greenwald tweet out today that as of today, senior Biden officials, including all employees of the FBI, DOJ, DHS, the State Department, and the White House Press Secretary are legally banned from doing the following in order to induce or persuade big tech, big tech platforms to censor Americans. Huge First Amendment win. And then he posted a couple of screenshots from a court order. But basically, you have a federal district judge that issued an injunction against the Biden administration from interfering in social media. As you recall, we found out with the Twitter files that the administration and the CIA and the FBI had employees stationed at Twitter monitoring social media and processing takedown requests and that the White House was ordering Twitter to remove tweets and Twitter was complying. Apparently, as of today, that's coming to a screeching halt or should be 
Because as you remember, they also had rulings and the Constitution saying that the government's not allowed to listen to our phone calls, uh, but they do anyway, right? Everything Snowden revealed uh, to us is still going on, despite the fact Obama at the time came out and said he would he was going to put a stop to it. And it's illegal as hell, right? I mean, we have the Fourth Amendment in the United States, which is your right to privacy. Uh, and uh, nowhere in there is an exemption for just recording every phone call and, and scanning every email and every text and recording in a huge NSA data center. Uh, but I digress. According to an article in Newsweek, this is the result of a case brought by the attorney generals of uh, Missouri and Louisiana all the way back in 2002 against Biden and other members of administration. And it says Judge Terry A. Doherty ruled that the officials had overstepped their constitutional remit by asking the online firms to suppress coronavirus vaccine disinformation. The ruling bars a number of federal agencies and officials from urging, encouraging, pressuring, or reducing in any matter the removal, deletion, suppression, or reduction of content containing protected free speech on social media. So that's cool. Um, it doesn't mean that there won't be censorship online, but at least it would be illegal if it's coming from the White House or the administrative branch of the federal government. Okay, so why are we here today? We're here because today is Wednesday, and Wednesday is DCA Wednesday. And if you're just following us for the first time, or you just want to hear me say it again, DCA is short for dollar cost averaging, and dollar cost averaging is an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals, regardless of price. For example, this is going to be our 102nd stack. We started DCAing every Wednesday, all the way back on July 28, 2021, so almost two years ago now. Uh, we chose our equal portion to be just $20 because I wanted to show that even if you can only come up with $20 a week, you can still stack an appreciable stack of sats. Of course, you do you if you have more money that you wanna, that you wanna convert into Bitcoin. You know, that's a decision you'll have to make on your own. But I just wanted to show that even if you had only as little as $20, that that could make a difference. So far, we've stacked 101 times. We've, st we've converted a total of 2,020 filthy U.S. dollars, including $45.45 in fees, into 7,015,282 sats. Oh, excuse me. I got a tickle in the back of my throat. <coughs> Pardon me. <clears> throat> That stack is currently worth $2,122.42, so a little bit more than the $2,020 uh, that we've converted, and that's not too shabby considering we've even made up the fees. So not only are we above break even, we've even broken even including the fees, and we've stacked those sats at an average cost basis now of $28,794.28. We're gonna add to that stack, and as usual, we're gonna do so using the Cash App. Uh, I've been using the Cash App for the entirety of this two years with the stacking because I think it's pretty much the easiest way to stack sats if Cash App's available to you. But once again, it's one of those things where you do you, Cash App may or may not even be available uh, where you're where you are, <clears throat> but we're gonna use Cash App. Uh, and I'm gonna uh, have to add money to Cash App today because for once I finally don't have any money on Cash App. But that's one of the things I like about it. I can It'll let me add money and immediately spend immediately convert that money to Bitcoin and immediately let me transfer it. And while I've been yapping, I've already added $20. So I'm going to tap Bitcoin, tap buy, enter $20, click confirm. 
And voila, just like that, we've purchased another 64,646 sats. Hey, that's kind of a palindrome, isn't it? 64646. Marty Bent, if you're listening, uh, shout out to you because I know you're a numbers guy that's big on palindromes. And that 64,646 sats brings our total stack up to 7,079,928 sats. Unfortunately, it raises our average purchase price again. This is the third stack in a row that our average cost basis has gone up. It's gone up this time by about $20, a little less than $20. Our average cost basis is now $28,813.85. Still not too shabby and still less than Bitcoin's current dollar value. Of course, none of that will matter when Bitcoin goes to the moon one day, when Bitcoin reclaims its all-time high of 69000 or hits 100,000 or 200,000 or even a million, uh, $28,000 is going to look like a freaking bargain. You know, people will be calling you lucky for having purchased it only $28,000. All right, that's about it. Before I wrap it up, I want to ask you to do me a solid and I would like you to please review and rate this podcast on the podcast app that platform that you're listening to on uh, and or Subscribe to the podcast where you get automatic downloads because that will help uh, help with our visibility because like everything, podcasts are part of the algorithm. Uh, how, how you how you discover how people discover new podcasts is that you know it's based on what is displayed to them. And the more popular the podcast, the more likely it is to be recommended. So if you could do us a solid and and give us a five star rating, that would be amazing. Uh, but either way, if you could give us a rating and or subscribe to automatic downloads, uh, that'll help more people find out about the Bitcoin Bull and podcast. Hopefully we can help orange pill some more people. We can show them that, it, yes, it's, you're not too late. Uh, and yes, even $20 a week is, is worth it. It will eventually add up to, well, it's, in our case, more than 7 million sats. Also do me a solid and follow us on Twitter. We don't have that many Twitter followers. And again, you know, the more Twitter followers we have, the more engagement we get on Twitter, the more people are likely to see us and the more people are going to be orange pilled. So again, on Twitter, we are at BTC Bulletin Pod, at BTC Bulletin Pod. Also, I want to hear what you think about the podcast. I'm very interested in what you have to say, what you like, what you don't like. So, you know, hit us up on Twitter, send us a DM, let me know what you think, or send me an email at BitcoinBulletinProtonMail.com because I really, really do want to hear that feedback from you. Of course, if you're feeling extra generous, you can help support the podcast by sending that feedback in the form of a boostergram. You know, a boostergram is a, basically a lightning transaction. So you can help support the podcast by sending us a few sats and let us know what you think. Either way, don't forget to check back next Wednesday and every Wednesday where we grow that stack together. And of course, you know, if you see that dip, there's nothing about the dollar cost average strategy that says you can't also pick up some sats on the side. But either way, keep on stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers. <laughs>